Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsecast Extra, as always, with James from Gunnerblog. James, good morning to you. Good morning, Andrew. How's it going? It's going very well. I've had a very exciting, thrilling interlull. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, it's been thrill a minute. Oh, I will ask. Go on. Um, we had a question from Quick Thinks. We may resort to some questions in part one, I think. We, we think we definitely will, yes. The news agenda. And they start with, Goodly morning. I've just become an Irish citizen. To celebrate, I went to the rugby match. Is this what it's always like? being Irish. Did you engage with the Rugby World Cup course final in any way, Andrew? No. Nothing. No, no I do Even I, I watched that. <laughs> well, you, I'm like an eighth Irish or something. Yeah, I know. I mean, the, the mechanism I used was to stay in on Saturday night and yeah. not go anywhere because every single pub in Dublin and I'm sure Ireland would have been full with people watching the rugby and you know I really can't express how little I care for the game of rugby I just I I just can't deal with it I just you know I went to a rugby school you see yeah so that you had to play it I had to play it when I was younger and my dad really wanted me to play it as well and I just didn't like the game I didn't like playing rugby and you know being in a rugby school sort of put me off the game and the people uh, some of the people I should say not everyone but there were some characters if you mm. like mm. and um you know over the years I have just grown ever more indifferent to the sport and I you know for the people around me would have been happy enough if Ireland had won but I just don't care and as it is they didn't win and I think the country is uh, in mourning, essentially, as far as I can tell. Quite Certainly possibly. Certainly for my friends who are rugby fans. Quite possibly. But again, I'm just sort of sailing through in uh, blissful oblivion. Lovely. Not, you know, I don't, I don't feel their pain. And I'm sorry for my countrymen and women who are upset by this, but doesn't register with me at all. You know? uh, on the subject of rugby, I was texting back and forth with my friend, uh, comedian Annie McGrath, about it. And I think she had been watching it in a pub. She said, rugby players are grotesque. The backwards throwing, horrid. Slowly scrambling around on the ground, no thank you. <laughs> um, I thought you might enjoy that. Yeah, well, I mean, she gets to, um, she gets to uh, you know, pick both sides, doesn't she? with some Irish ancestry and, and what have you. There was a bit on, I went for a couple of pints yesterday afternoon, and there was a bit of rugby on. It was England against Fiji. It was on mm. in the it was on in the pub, so I couldn't escape it. It was either leave my beer or endure some rugby. And I endured the rugby and, you know, just sort of didn't pay that much attention. But boy, oh boy, there was a, a shot uh, at one point of a Fiji guy sitting on the ground 
and he was getting some treatment. And I was just in awe of his arm. It was his left arm sort of resting on the ground. And I, I could go to the gym, I would say, for six months solid, doing lots of leg work. And I don't think I could get my thigh as big as his arm. It was unbelievable. These guys yeah. smash into each other. It's, um, I don't know. It is scary. I, mm. I watched, I did watch the Ireland game on Saturday. And yesterday I watched a bit of um, the South Africa-France game. And the South African team, they got some big boys. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's scary stuff. What the, I think one of the reasons I struggle with international rugby is that everyone's playing for the wrong team. You know, like it's like they have transfers. It, it, like the nationality <laughs> rules have been so relaxed. I mean, Ireland got close to beating New Zealand. Um, but if they just had a couple more Kiwis in their team than they already do, I think they would have got over the do line. Do we have some New Zealand yeah, guys? Yeah, you got, you, got you got a guy in the centre and a guy on the wing who are pretty handy. Right. Um, and what, they just came over here for a bit of a holiday and stayed and decided to play rugby for As far for as Ireland. I know, that is the rule, yeah. Right. I, th- I, I think it's that if you've drunk a Guinness, you can play for Ireland. Well, that's why we've got such an enormous pool of <laughs> players to choose from, I guess. <laughs> no, I, I, I think apparently they have recently tightened up the international registration rules a bit in rugby union, but it, it has always been a little bit relaxed. Um, I think you're allowed to change country once as well, which seems slightly absurd given how strict it is with football, but there you go. There you go. Well, um, so I did watch a bit of that. I haven't really watched any football. I'm, I was sad to miss the Arsenal women's game. Cause it sounds like the Emirates stadium late goal tendency is now fully crossing over to the women. Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. I was, you know, like I said, I was out and then I decided to check the uh, the score and I went, oh, 2-1 to Arsenal women. That You know, I saw that they were, were one down and I said, I'll just check final score. Opened up uh, live score. This is not an ad. And um, saw that they won 2-1 and I was like, oh, great. And then I looked at the time of the goals and went, holy cow. That must have been <laughs> that must have been uh, a hell of a trip, and uh, you know, after a season that's been a little bit difficult for the uh, for the women so far, hopefully a, a sort of spark, if you like, that gets things going. What a goal from Katie McCabe! Yeah, amazing. Um, and yeah, I mean, they got a, a late, brilliant late goal against Man U as well. I think so. Yeah, I, I mean, hopefully they can have something more comfortable matches moving forward, but it must have been pretty thrilling for uh, those who were at the Emirates Stadium yesterday. Yeah, Tim has a good uh, vlog. Um, do you say vlog or vlog? I say vlog. Vlog, I guess. Vlog sounds like something you've got to explain to a doctor. Um, so vlog, Tim has a good vlog um, uh, that's been put together. It's over on Arsblog News, uh, his coverage of the day and all the rest. So people can uh, can go and take a look. And obviously uh, a return for Beth Mead, which is very welcome. Yes, yes. She was the difference in the end. Um, she came on, I think, just before the equaliser, wasn't it? So not a bad time to be on the pitch for a little four-minute cameo, whatever it was. Yeah, so you haven't been paying any attention to to the internationals. 
because I was I was hoping you could explain this one to me because we had a question on the Discord okay. from Painy992. He said, morning, chaps. Why is Eddie getting stick for not showing any emotion when Southgate gave him his cap uh, for making his first England appearance? I thought our players were too emotional. But do you know what that's about? I don't. I, I presume that the FA have filmed Eddie receiving his you know, ceremonial cap uh, and put it up somewhere. Right. And he didn't sort of look at it longingly enough or stroke the velvet, you know, in a way that suggested he really loves the country. Mm. That would be my best guess. Okay. Okay. Um, but he did get on for his England debut against Australia. Yes. Um, you know, a 1-0 thriller. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's a big... That's a big moment for Eddie. I mean, you know, when he was called up to the squad last time, I was like, well, he's in the team. You know, he, he's been playing. Jesus is out. Mm. Uh, it felt like something that was kind of of the moment. There was even talk of like, is this so he, you know, doesn't go and declare for Ghana potentially? Mm -hmm. I think it was really, he must be incredibly satisfied that he was in the squad again, you know, especially given that his place has been a little bit uh, less certain should we say with Jesus coming back obviously he has played games and played big games but yeah I think for him to be selected by Southgate and actually get on for his England debut is a, a big moment and will make him feel justified thus far anyway about his decision to to extend his stay with Arsenal and, and stay. Well, I guess so. And like uh, when it comes to strikers in England, you know, there's Callum Wilson and obviously Harry Kane who uh, I saw a story over the weekend. He wants to continue playing until he's 50 or something like that. So good luck to uh, to all the other England strikers because Gareth Southgate will just pick him. It doesn't matter how old he is. Um, but, you know, there is, you know, opportunity there for Eddie, isn't there? Because there aren't a huge amount of of English strikers. Ivan Tony is is somebody who come back into the mix perhaps um, in January. But, you know, there's there's room for him to to stake a, a semi-regular place in the England squad if he can continue to uh, continue. Maybe if he can deliver a bit more for Arsenal, then I think that puts him uh, into the frame for England. Yeah, num number nine is not an area where England have a ton of choices. Um, you know, obviously, there's obviously Harry Kane, but beyond that, I think the competition is sort of pretty even. You know, you've got like Callum Wilson, Ollie Watkins... Ivan Tony when he eventually comes back. Um, you know, Rashford doesn't particularly play well in that position through the middle. So there is an opportunity, especially the role that Eddie is learning to play at Arsenal, which is really kind of linking up and ensuring the wide men get into good positions. And sometimes they offer almost more goal-scoring threat. I mean, England, you know, could benefit if they had something like Rashford and Saka on the wings from a striker who was doing that kind of stuff. So... Yeah, I, I, I'm pleased for him. I'm pleased for him. He's waited a long time for it. Obviously, mm. he was the record goal scorer at under-21 level. He's been really patient. He's had overtures to go and play in tournaments with Ghana, and he's declined thus far. Um, and he's got his reward. This is what he wanted, to play for England. I've just typed into the Twitter search bar, Eddie Nketiah cap, and what I can see is a picture of Eddie Nketiah holding his uh, red England cap, absolutely beaming. Uh, so I've got no idea <laughs> what the controversy is about. Yeah, I can see him there. Um, yeah, he looks Maybe happy. he needs to be weeping. He needs to be weeping, I think. To show the true emotion of the moment. 
Yeah, um, absolutely. So I'm trying to think who else has been involved over the uh, over the weekend. Not good for Martin Odegaard's Norway. They were beaten by Spain, and they are struggling to qualify for um, the European Championships now. They require some uh, other results to go their way and then get through via the playoffs. But Scotland have qualified. So yes. as Kieran Tierney uh, re- recovers from his hamstring strain, he's got something to look forward to. Uh, next summer, of course, um, Scotland in the European Championship. So congratulations to them and all of our Scottish listeners. Um, Where does it leave Martin Odegaard in Norway? They third are in the group, I guess. third in the group. And I think I read this morning that they can get into the playoffs, but it requires maybe Serbia to... Uh, do they have to beat someone like Germany or something like that? I think they have to drink a Guinness and then <laughs> they qualify for Euro 2024. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, let me see. I definitely had the um, – I can't find it. It was on the BBC uh, football website. I can't find it now. Um, boom, boom, boom. No. Anyway, look at uh, – oh, maybe I've got it here. Norway – whose absence from major tournaments stretches back to Euro 2000, blimey, can now only potentially qualify through the playoffs, but need to remain third and hope Serbia qualify from Group G to be eligible. So Mm. it's all on Serbia for Martin Odegaard. Listen, for our Norwegian listeners, I I want them to be there. But uh, a nice big rest for Martin Odegaard next summer doesn't sound too bad to me either. So I'm I'm looking at it as it, as a win-win. Um, speaking of wins, Andrew, mm-hmm. I have some news. Oh. I have had some messages from listeners in recent weeks showing some concern and alarm that my use of the catch popular catchphrase, let's do this, has diminished. Right. But unbeknownst to them and to you, this has been part of a deliberate, broader strategy. Go on. Well... Let me read you this uh, letter (laughs) from the UK Intellectual Property Office. (laughs) Dear sir or madam, sir, for for now, please find enclosed a trademark registration certificate for your trademark detailed above. Trademark, let's do this. (laughs) Owner, James McNicholas. (laughs) 10 years I have secured uh, of Let's Do This. It's a, it's a real blow to Paul from Arsenal Vision. I was just going to say, he's going to be listening to this now and, it, you know, his, his heart he's will gonna sink. He's going to be livid. <laughs> but this is, a, I guess it's a UK only mark at this point in time. Has this endeavour cost me many hours and several hundred pounds? Perhaps. <laughs> but I think we can all agree. <laughs> It was a worthy cause to fill two minutes of a podcast during the interlock. It most certainly was. Well, so, so what happened was I, I submitted the application, right, two months ago. Okay. Or, or more than that, I think. And then what happens is they post it online in, like, the trademark news, and everyone has a chance to oppose the trademark. Ah, so like when you put a planning permission thing outside your house. Exactly. So Nike, for example, could have looked at Let's Do This and thought, damn, that's that's just a better version of Just Do It. 
we need to intervene and stop this being trademarked. So consequently, obviously, I had to stop saying it on the pod because I didn't want it getting out there too much, right? Right. Fiendish. I didn't want to alert people to its brilliance. Um, but now that window of opportunity has ended. So the trademark is mine. Uh, and I guess this will be one of my last podcasts because I'll soon be a millionaire. <laughs> I'll be able to rest on my laurels, put my feet up and do no more. It, it, what an investment, Andrew. The full range of Les Dudis merchandise is going to be hitting the shops. Exactly. Wow. You're I'm going to be ride that train all the way to the bank. How do you do a little TM on a keyboard? That's the next thing I need to find out. I think it's option G. Okay. Or, hang on. I'll, get, I'll see if I can find option it Option G? That's copyright. Oh, right. Is that different? I don't understand these laws, Andrew. It was so confusing doing the application. I've got no idea what I'm doing. Um, but I've got the letter. Ten years. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's a, you thought you made everyone think it was dead. There was exactly. just a passing phase, a fad, like the hula hoop. It you was know. in hibernation. But now it's, it's back. back. It's back, baby. Launched just in time for the Christmas shopping mayhem. So what, Imagine. So what's Chris, on? Les Dudis baubles. An angel with Les Dudis scrawled on their wings. The whole. <laughs> the top of tree. The whole. Um, what do you call it? The, the, the scene with the manger and all that. With the yeah. three wise men and the baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph and the donkeys. And in the background, just a neon Les Dudis flashing yeah. on and off to bring the, the full spirit of Christmas uh, to everybody. This is just sensational stuff. I have to applaud you. I have to applaud you. This is um, this I'm is an remarkable. entrepreneur, Andrew. You're what an entrepreneur. Uh, entrepreneur. Um, so that was my exciting news. That's that is extremely news. exciting. I'm very, very pleased for you. Uh, I, I just wonder now, do I need to come up with a catchphrase of my own or is that is that pushing things too far? I don't know. People will say I'm copying you if I were to do it, you know? Yeah, probably that would be copyright infringement if you become a catchphrase guy. Yeah. That's my whole thing. Uh, so, yeah, that's the big news. I know everyone at home is going to be relieved. They will have tuned into this podcast thinking, well, there's not been much happening from an Arsenal perspective. Where, where's my going to be my fix of juicy news and information? Well, I've given you a good chunk there. Well, here it is. And stand by. Get your wallets at the ready, people. Because, I mean, it's <laughs> going to be just impossible to ignore, isn't it? You know, impulse Let's shopping. see how I will use this trademark. Will I deploy it for good? Or will I use it for my own selfish gain? We I shall discover. I think, I think it'll probably be uh, the second one. But, yeah, you know. Almost so. <laughs> Knowing me. Did you see the news about um, Manchester United? Yes, yes, not being bought by anyone really, but a 25% stake. Is that the right size? Yes, 25% sure. stake, um, Sir, Sir, Sir Jim Jimmy Savile. Uh, oh, no, yeah, Jim, Jim Ratcliffe, yeah. Um, he's bought 25% of it there. Uh, what are they called? Ineos? And they, own, yes. they own Nice as well. But did you see the Gary Neville tweet? No. Right. I mean, it's very long, so I'm only going to read the first bit of it. 
I think it's becoming clear through this podcast I'm spending less and less time on Twitter. <laughs> uh, I only saw it this morning because somebody um, asked a question about this. Okay. Uh, on the Discord, Volius, he said, this Man United thing is very funny, right? And I didn't really know what it was, um, so I did a little bit of looking around, and then I, I, I um, was pointed in the direction um, of this Gary Neville tweet. So, Gary Neville, the news last night of the Qatari withdrawal leaves Manchester United on the brink of a minority investment. Can this really work, and what impact will it have on a struggling organisation? It's worth setting out my non-negotiables on a takeover of Manchester United that I made over a year ago. Five non-negotiables, right? Okay. Do you want to hear what they are? Please. One, a new sporting project. Two, a new or redeveloped Old Trafford. Three, a new training ground. Four, I'm going to read five as four, and then I'm going to read four as five, because okay. four is the one that made me laugh a lot. Okay, okay. But number five that I'm reading as number four is pay off the debt and stop taking dividends until the above is done. And number five, which is actually number four, full redevelopment of the surrounding land, presume around Old Trafford, to create a Manchester United world. And no. A, and amazing fan experience. Manchester United, like fucking Disney World? Jesus. R Roy Keane in a sort of Pluto uh, costume. Wandering around, taking pictures with all the boys and girls. Well, yeah, I can just imagine someone in like a, <laughs> a sort of uh, Harry Maguire suit with just a gigantic head. Look, he's <laughs> fallen over! <laughs> um, Manchester United World. Wow, that would be a bad theme park. It really would, you. wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, and I, you, I speak as a man who was taken by his family to digger digger land where <laughs> as, as a kid is this like for for like trucks yeah it's digger land you it's in kent i believe and basically you get to sit on a jcb it was part of their attempts to indoctrinate me in the construction industry um as a child they were like you're going to digger land and they basically, yeah, you just sit on a JCB. Right. That's basically the extent of the theme park. Perhaps not as thrilling an opportunity for a, it didn't capture the hearts and minds of young people. Is it still there? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, some kids love it, right? Some kids are into diggers. Digger land. I, I, I've noticed that buying clothes for my son. I'm like, all the, loads of the boys' clothes have got diggers on. I'm like, what the hell? Have we got a shortage of builders in this country? And we're like, we need a new generation. Of builders. And they're doing it via stealth. Yes, yeah, stealth know. marketing. <laughs> Primark Steering. clothing and, yeah. it's Opening it's, theme parks. Wow, Diggerland. I just had a look here. Yeah, they've got robots and crazy carts and dirt diggers. Safari? <laughs> I mean, it's, listen, I'm on that website too now. It's got a lot better since I went. When I went, it was a muddy field with a couple of JCBs in it. And it called itself Diggerland. Welcome to Diggerland Safari, where the fun is wild and the puns are fierce. The puns? Maybe we'll do a vlog, Andrew, where we, we go, go to, to Diggerland. Diggerland. I have to say, the animals in this safari look suspiciously not real to me. If you go down <laughs> on the safari bit, these look mm. like cartoon cutouts. You're not yeah, fooling that is anyone. Basically, what they've got there is a muddy path 
track, dirt track in Kent with some cardboard animals <laughs> situated along it. And they've got the nerve to call that a safari. Nevertheless, fun facts about the safari. The machine name is Land Rover slash Mitsubishi Pajero. Cost of machine, £25,000. Power, 90 kilowatts. Weight, right. 3,030 kilograms. So again, it's much more about getting to go in a Land Rover than anything else. Yes. This is for like petrol head kids. Though, you know, all those kids who are into car, like Land Rovers. Mm. It's, um, but I, I would venture it's still better than Manchester United World. Well, the other thing about this Gary Neville tweet, I said it was very long, right? He's done his five non-negotiables. Oh, oh yeah, he's added another sixth, uh, a sixth non-negotiable due to events in the last two, three years. And it says the club requires leadership that is statesmanlike on major issues that enables a fairer, more inclusive and diverse game, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes on to ask 16 questions. 16 questions about like, God. where's the money going? What are the Glazers doing? What, blah, blah. Jesus Christ. They're not going to tell you, Gary. No, no. You know, if your big idea is a fucking Manchester United World theme park, I don't think they're going to take your questions very seriously. He just talked himself out of the meeting, yeah. I think. Um, <sighs> just trying to think of some good rides on the Manchester United theme park. Um, I mean, there could be like a, a Rude Van Nistelrooy dive Oh, thing. that would be exciting. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? One of those... Uh, Big vertical plunge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> one of those where you're just like, straight down. One of those. Yeah, that would be good. Um, um, what else? Maybe like a thing like where it's like the, the Fergie hairdryer treatment. It's just basically a wind machine, just like gives you like a 4D experience. Of a, yeah, just blasts you with hot air that smells of whiskey. Yeah. Spittle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there must be loads. Uh, yeah. If only we thought about this beforehand, we could have prepared a couple, but hey. That's not really our style. Not really. Not really. Um, anyway. Is there anything else happening in football? Uh, I don't know. Uh, let me have a look. I'll look at the Guardian football website. Uh, Jordan Henderson got booed. That's fair enough, I think. Yeah. Um, um, Espanol players bring on 11 furry friends in need of a new home. The article is titled Pup Guardiola. And Espanol players aim to raise awareness of stray dogs in Barcelona by taking 11 furry mascots onto the pitch prior to their win over Real Valladolid. Each player took a dog onto the pitch in the hope that some will find new homes. They went on That's to win. That's cool. I mean, think how exciting it is when one dog ends up on a football pitch. Yeah. 11? They could have had a game. They even have a little guy in... Um, there's a little guy there with wheels on. Oh, that's nice. Inclusive. Like, like, have they uh, got a kit on? Uh, he's got a little blue kind of bandana thing on, but he's got the wheels. Have you seen the show Colin from Accounts? No, actually. That's very good. I heartily recommend it. Yeah. Um, but that little dog has got wheels as well. So, uh, yeah, that's nice. That is nice, actually. I'm pleased about that. Uh, as for the Man United takeover thing, I guess, just to come back to that, we didn't really talk about it in any real terms. Um, we really got distracted by the theme park. But I guess for Arsenal, it's quite a good outcome. 
Like, if they'd had uh, a takeover, was it the Qataris who were in for United? Like, mm. you know, that would have been, from a competitive standpoint, probably pretty good for them. Yeah. Uh, as this is, the Glazers retain their holding for longer, which I guess we should uh, find funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. But they're Man United. Like, if the issue is money, like, they're always going to have money. Their turnover is such that they're always going to be able to spend. Fortunately, they've just been spending it really badly recently. Yeah, yeah. The Eric Cantona. That would be a good one as well, wouldn't it? You just stand in line to get drop kicked. Yeah. He's going by on a tour, flying apparently, with his first album. What? Yeah, I saw that. Hang on. Eric Cantona. Does he sing? I don't know why. I don't know anything about Eric Cantona as a singer, as, a, as an artist, but I uh, I bet he does it like William Shatner. Yes, yeah, just speaks into just the mic. Just speaks. Yeah. I don't think I'd go see him in concert, to be honest. Yeah, he's just released his debut album. Eric oh, it's coming out October 20th. I'll Make My Own Heaven, it's called. Wow. Is there any... Um... Is there any uh, music available that we could listen to? Do we want to listen to it? Uh, he's teased his debut single, apparently, but I, I can't yet find. Let's have a look. Eric Cantona. Does he's always song changing called jobs, though, like... The Friends We Lost. Hang on. In peace. There doesn't seem to be a lot of singing in it, does there? Oh, I couldn't hear it. You couldn't hear it? No. Oh. Well, I'm sorry about that. Um, Is that... I, I mean, I'm fine. I think you're probably fine, yeah. That's a bit weird that you couldn't hear it. Anyway, I'll cut that bit out then. Uh, well, no, you play it for the listeners. Uh, I was thinking about them when I was talking about cutting it out. Uh, maybe I'll just leave it in at this point. <laughs> um, it seemed a bit croony, not quite William Shatner. Okay. But uh, anyway, something else to look forward to, like, you know, another interlull next month. Um, let me see if we can bring things back around to football a little okay. bit. And we do some questions. We'll do a couple of questions and then we'll go into a break and we'll do a few more questions in Deal. in part two. How about that? Um let's do this, I guess. We did talk <laughs> we did talk about rugby uh, yeah. a little bit and uh, PRS let me see PRS books on the Discord. Goodly morning, gents. Not sure, sure, not sure. If either of you saw Seamus O'Reilly's piece in the Irish Examiner about the joys of being a fair weather fan of the Irish rugby team, I did not see it, but it struck home for me uh, when I watch things like the Ashes or the Ryder Cup. Do either of you have sporting tournaments you always watch despite not being invested in the wider sports? Do you always watch curling, for example, or is there a Darts World Cup you ever uh, you never miss? Yeah, I do know that feeling. Um, it is quite fun to watch a sport that you're not particularly invested in. Uh, it's quite liberating. Mm. Watching Arsenal can be quite stressful for me because I'm so invested. Um, and I also like 
sort of the opportunity to kind of have opinions without any real <laughs> substance. So, <laughs> you know, like I'll watch, I'll watch a big boxing match and like, I'll tweet being like, yeah, he needs to lead with his jab there. If he's not careful, he's going to get caught. And it's like, I'm just some bloke sat on my sofa. Like I've got no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, and that's quite good fun. I watch like Wimbledon, I'd say most. That's the one that I was going to think of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The grass tennis Wimbledon thing. You know, when we were kids, when Wimbledon was on, all everybody did around the the road was play tennis, even though there were no tennis courts or anything like that. You just get tennis bats with those tennis rackets, rather, with the uh, the old strings, the wooden ones, and the crappy tennis balls. You just whack them around. Uh, same when the ashes and stuff were on, you know, there was cricket going on and stuff like that. Um, True. But yeah, I think, uh, I think Wimbledon is probably the one for me. Ryder Cup, even though I, I like golf and play golf, I don't tend to watch a lot of golf. Um, but you know, Ryder Cup is one of those where I think a lot of people would, uh, would tune in. Yeah, it's fun. I like it. It's a nice, it's a welcome break sometimes. But you know, like I say Wimbledon, if there's a football tournament, happening at the same time in summer, I probably don't see a single mm. game of the tennis. But when it's when there is no football, it's a nice alternative. Um, all right. I'll ask you a question. Okay. Uh, it's from... Do you know what? Oh, I never... I've just realised how to pronounce this username. It's from Faisal at F... But it's F Carnage, isn't it? Yeah, it F is. Yeah, yeah, You did explain I've that always, to us. Have we done it before? Right. Okay. Yeah, Fuckinage. 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 Uh, read it by mistake. They ask if Tony and Neto are both available and keen for £60 million in January. Mm. And you only have £60 million. Well, we're going to have more than that when the riches of the Let's Do This are distributed fairly among the. Yeah, that's true. I will make a donation <laughs> to <laughs> Arsenal Football Club. Um, and you only have £60 million. Who do you buy? Oh, I mean, common sense tells me that someone like Tony would be a, you know, would be an upgrade on Eddie mm-hmm. in our squad. With all due respect to Eddie, I think he is a England uh, international. England no international. But I, I like Pedro Neto. I like. A flying winger. I like the excitement of a guy who runs at defenses and stuff like that. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, for the good of the team, I guess the answer is Tony. But for my own purely selfish reasons, I'm going to go for Pedro Neto, uh, just because he gives us a uh, something different on the on the right hand side. That famous cover competition slash backup or whatever for Bukayo Saka. Um. So that's what I would do. But I think if, you know, the club was actually serious about squad building, I think you would go for the striker more than the winger, no? That's true. I mean, what about the ages? Tony is 27, be 28 in March. Ah, uh, okay. Forget him then. Yeah, bring me Pedro Neto. Fuck it. <laughs> that was easy. Yeah. I, I think I would go Neto too. And I really like Ivan Tony. I think he's a really good player. And I think, actually, he's the sort of player who... I don't think that age is problematic necessarily. You know, I think he could play and be very effective into his uh, early, 
maybe even mid thirties. I, I really do think that because he's not necessarily a sprint speed guy, you know, mm. um, and that kind of target man striker. I think they do have a bit more longevity. Um, but I think Neto on balance would maybe give give just. I think I think actually that he would give solve more problems for Arsenal. Mm. You know, we really don't have a Bukai Saka alternative. And he absolutely can play in that fashion. So as a left footer from the right-hand side, he can also play as a left winger in a way maybe that's more akin to Gabriel Martinelli than Leandro Trossard, for example. If Mm. you're looking for someone to really hold the width. um, You know, he kind of does all the things that Reese Nelson can do but I just feel like Arteta would trust him more than he seemingly trusts Reese Nelson or use him more. Um, so I, I would go for Neto. I, I really like him and I, I I hope we go back for him at some point. The only thing I would say about this question is I think Arsenal would probably have to sell someone pretty significant in January to spend that kind of money. Yeah. If you think about what was the final deal we did incoming of the window it's the David Ryder deal and how did we have to structure that um and I'm not sure a great deal has changed since then to mean that we could go out and spend that sort of money freely but who knows you know if if the owners were to support it somehow perhaps it could be possible. Look what they were prepared to do last January. Well, I think they'd probably be more prepared to structure a deal for 23-year-old Pedro Neto rather than Ivan Tony, who ultimately will have no resale value. And I know that's a conversation people either care for or don't care for. Um, You know, the value is what the guy gives you on the pitch, I guess, in terms of goals and a different squad option and all the rest. But it just seems a little more doable if the player in question, you know, might have some resale value down the line. Um, Because if you sign Tony, um, he's 28, give him a four-year deal. I don't know. We've been there, done that before, I think. And uh, I'm not sure it's always worked out as well as uh, we would have liked. So... Mm. All right, will we take a break? Let's take a break. Let's take a break. I'm got do you know what I got? Uh I got some Biscoff biscuits. Oh but lovely. the ones with the cream in the middle. Wow. That's big time. Big time. After I, te- I made Biscoff cheesecake last week. Really oh, that's good. delicious. I mean, really good. Yeah, I was I was very envious of that. It's actually against the odds, I believe it's vegan Biscoff. Um the Biscoff paste and the Biscoff biscuits. And it doesn't have any dairy in it, so which my wife's dairy intolerant. So it's pretty much her favourite. It's pretty much the most delicious thing she has access to in her life. <laughs> um, and, yeah, it's a problem. I sort of try to not have any of their products in the house. My gym that I go to, if you order a coffee there, they give you a free Biscoff biscuit with it. I mean, that's worth the gym fees alone sometimes i don't even go in the gym andrew just go and have a nice coffee you know (laughs) get a free biscuit exactly right that's it i'm winning i mean yes i'm paying for the gym membership but think of the biscuit think of the biscuits amazing okay i'm gonna go and get one of those biscuits and uh we'll come back with more of your questions in part two right after this
Welcome back to the Arsecast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer questions that you send to us on Twitter at Gunnarblog and at Arsblog. Also on the Arsblog Discord chat server, which you get access to if you are an Arsblog member on Patreon. I got my biscuits. Was, Lovely. I was just going to have one, but they're kind of small. <laughs> Listen. So I have judgment. two. I got two. Why Enjoy. not? Um, will I go first with a question? If you don't mind delaying your biscuit... Then yeah, that's fine. I'll ask the question, then chomp away on my biscuit. Okay, um, well I attempt to answer. Yeah, where the hell are all my questions gone? Oh, here we go. Oh, for fuck's sake! Um, boom, boom. It's just a play about people trying to find questions. This show. Yeah, this one comes from Dan Ray. We mentioned him in the uh, the first part of the show, or you mentioned him anyway. Uh, he said, morning, gents. I'm interested in your thoughts on the curious case of Reese Nelson. Had a big breakthrough goal last season, given a... Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of. Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Bumper, bumper new contract. And yet when Bakayo Saka is injured, Jesus is preferred. What do you think is the plan for him? Expensive squad player? I thought you mentioned... I thought you meant I mentioned Dan Ray in part one. I was thinking, did I? No. I don't know what I'm saying. No, no, um, no. Reese Nelson, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it, I think I'm right in saying that his his hashtag numbers when he comes on in games are, are really good. Like, he's really mm. productive. I think a lot of that is, is game state. You know, he, he tends to come on in situations where Arsenal are you know, chasing a winner or whatever. And I think that can probably uh, sway things a little bit. I, I did think it, I was a little bit surprised that he wanted to stay on. You know, I did think that maybe last mm. season and the big moment he had against Bournemouth might provide a platform for him to go elsewhere and play much more regularly. Um I think it's clear Arteta likes him. He sort of makes a point of always talking about him in a positive way and citing him in press conferences as an option. And he does get off the bench here and there, but yeah, I don't sense there's any great 
enthusiasm to start him. I think using Gabriel Jesus as a winger is yet another indicator of that. Um, and I, This might sound a bit mean. I, I, I kind of hope not, but I kind of feel like he's going to be sort of treading water a little bit at mm. Arsenal for the next few years until he eventually bites the bullet and goes to play elsewhere. Um, but maybe he should sort of heed, heed some, take some warning from the example of Rob Holding, who, who kind of waited and waited and waited to make that move and has now gone to Crystal Palace at a time where he's not in their first 11. Um, mm. And you've got to pick the right moment to go at a time where you have that value and you are attractive to other clubs so that you can kind of have that second win to your career. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's fair because you know he could have moved. I think there was talk of maybe AC Milan were interested during the summer was it before he signed a new contract there were certainly yeah, options I, I, available I to him. For sure. And he, you know he he did explain it in a way you know, where he said what was happening at Arsenal was so exciting that he wanted to be part of it. And I think as a, a young man who's come up through the academy and all the rest of it, you can you can understand that, you know. And if the manager explains that there is a role for you in the team, whether it's the role you, you know, specifically want or not, but if he says or gives you some assurances that you're going to play and you're going to be involved, I guess it's very easy to say, well, this is, you know, this is an exciting club to be at. This is the club I support. This is a club I've been at since I was a kid. And they're offering me a good contract and they're offering me, um, you know, the chance to play and be part of, hopefully part of something that is a, a big success. So I can kind of understand it in that sense. You know, there's an emotional aspect to the decision-making there uh, as well. But yeah, I think you're right in that I was a little surprised that he stayed simply because of you know, the situation that we have right now where he's really not playing uh, a lot of football. I know it's very early in the season. Um, you know, he's played or appeared in six games, uh, only started one and played 168 minutes of competitive football. Whereas I think if he had taken an opportunity to go somewhere else, whether that was elsewhere in the Premier League or maybe abroad, I think he would have a lot more minutes under his belt. You know, so it's it's trying to balance those two things, I suppose, in his mind is the the playing time. And he might say, look, I'm still only 23, whatever it is. I've got time on my side to, to make a move if I need to make a move or if I feel like I'm not playing enough. But for now, I'll stick around and see what the see what the story is. I think the, the bigger issue is like, what is the plan? What is the 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 role that Mikel Arteta really has in mind for him where you give a guy you know, a new contract like that. And I don't think we've quite seen that beyond perhaps super sub type of uh, type of player. No, I think that is the plan. I think that is almost the extent of it, really. You know, a guy who can be fresh legs if required in the closing stages of games, who can stretch the play, you know, who, who can be a threat. But I really think he's going to struggle for Premier League and Champions League starts. Um mm. And you and I both just bought Pedro Neto, basically. So <laughs> we, we forced him out. Um, okay, here's a question from Stedosaurus on the Discord. Okay. And Stedosaurus says, uh, the next set of six fixtures seem quite important when you consider City's games in this period. 
what do you think our points total will be and how will it compare to cities? Now, we all love a, a prediction game that involves numbers. A bit early in the season for this one, isn't it? I know. But the reason I've flagged it is because he's post, posted Arsenal and City's respective next six games. And City's run is home to Brighton. I'd say tough game. Easy win. Away to Man U. Easy win. Manchester Derby. Easy win, of course. Mm -hmm. Bournemouth home. Easy win. Easy win. Chelsea away. Easy win. Liverpool home. Mm, They'll find a way. Spurs home. They always lose to Spurs, don't they? The fuckers. (laughs) Well, except last year where they came from two two goals down to win. Um, Now, Brighton, Man U, Chelsea, Liverpool and Spurs are five of their next, next six mm. games. That is a that is a tricky run, I think, by any measure, really, especially when you add in that they're going to have Champions League fixtures in between some of those. Sure. Um, of course, they're Man City. So as you kind of suggested, they'll probably take 18 points. Yeah. Um, in, the, in the corresponding period, Arsenal have Chelsea away. That's our first game back. Easy win. Sheffield United home. <laughs> Newcastle away. Tough one. Yeah. Burnley home. Brentford away. Wolves home. So Mm. Chelsea and Newcastle, well, they present different challenges, um, particularly Newcastle. But it is a kinder run than cities. So I won't ask you to go game by game or make a big prediction or anything like that. But do you think this could be a a significant period in the title round? I mean, it could be if if City... You know, drop some points along the way, and we managed to to come through. You know, particularly the Chelsea Newcastle games. Well, you're looking at the other games as as winnable. We've already beaten Brentford, Wolves at home, Burnley at home, Sheffield United at home. You know, relatively kind in, in the overall scheme of things. So yeah, it, it could well be. It could well be. Um, I don't like to predict this early in the season, not least because I pretty much always get my predictions wrong. So, Well, do you know what? Uh, the, the interesting thing is, I think it will feel big in those moments, but I almost think we need to take the lesson of last season and recognise that it's only so big. You know, so much of my focus is on how we finish this year. Um, and I think that is going to be so important and decisive Mm. and we haven't finished well the last two seasons and we really need to put that right so yeah I'm sure there'll be ups and downs and this looks like a period where you know City's results might be a bit more volatile but you can just never write them off because of how consistently well they finish campaigns yeah um Almost no lead that we have, you know, come Christmas or whatever, if we could hypothetically get one, would feel insurmountable given what happened last year. So I I expect it to be an exciting period, but I won't be drawing any big sweeping conclusions from it because there's just so far to go. All right. Um, Jamie B says, what sort of reception do you think Havertz will get at Stamford Bridge? Given he appears to be a confidence player, will Arteta take that into consideration when picking the team? That's a good question. I don't think he'll get a good reception, would be my guess. I think he 
yes, he scored the winner for Chelsea in the Champions League final. And I'm sure there'll be some Chelsea fans who will recognise that and show him gratitude. You know, he never really kicked off. He was kind of sold because they needed to sell some people. It wasn't a contentious uh, departure, really, was no, it? You know. No. And it's not like, frankly, it's not like he's tearing it up at Arsenal, which I think would almost sort of build more animosity for his decisions across London. Um, I just think that he wasn't especially popular in his time there. So I don't think they'll have any hesitation about giving, giving him, him some, some stick. stick. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if they think it might get to him. And I think he does seem like quite a sensitive character. I'm always wary of sort of armchair psychology when I don't know these people, but um, you know, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if his confidence maybe is a little bit less robust at this particular moment in time. Do I think Arteta will take that into consideration with his team selection? I think the bigger factor in team selection will be the midfield performance against Man City. You know, having Rice in there for that extra stability and one of Jorginho or Partey next to him. I actually think that going away to Stamford Bridge, I think there'll be a, a pretty good case for kind of sticking with that short sort of shape, that sort of system. Mm. And I think that's what will be the deciding factor rather than the crowd. What do you think? I think you're right, yeah. I think you're right. Um, you know, the big games, and I know Chelsea have been on a, a very difficult run, but still you have to sort of um, look at that fixture as one of those where I think that midfield solidity will be really, really important, whether it's Partey coming back in or Jorginho against his old club, um, which I suspect it might be. Uh, Partey's, you know, away in the U.S., playing for Ghana. So he'll get some minutes under his belt for sure. And he's got a physio with him, of course, as well. So hopefully, um, you know, he comes through. But I do think that's probably the right approach. And if Saka is available, then I think it's Jesus up top. And uh, that leaves Kai Havertz on the bench for this one, um, which doesn't mean he can't play a part or be a very useful uh, asset. But um I think that will be the the like you say the deciding factor over the the team selection availability and you know assuming everybody comes back from the interlull without uh, any problems or injuries. So well, yeah, touch wood. I mean that that is uh, of paramount importance. Also, we're going to have to score twice in that game because we essentially go in with a one goal handicap due to the absolute certainty of Mikhail Mudrik scoring. Um, <laughs> so who knows? We might need a, a more attacking setup. But I I, I don't think Havertz will start. Stanford Bridge. Um, okay, I thought this was interesting. From Speckled Jim. All right, Jim. Jim says, if Emil Smith Rowe's future isn't with us, will he be a Serge Gnabry or an Alex Awobi? Mm. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. It's really. It's such a fascinating situation, Smithrow, I think. I mean, for me, the talent is just not in question. I think he's a, a, a really, really good player. Will he be Serge Gnabry or Alex Iwobi? I mean, I think probably more Alex Iwobi than Serge Gnabry in that I think he would go to another Premier League team and do a, a, a very good job for them. And I think Iwobi did that for Everton for the most part. He's at Fulham now, of course, so we'll have to wait and see how things pan out for him there. It's difficult, I think, 
after such a long period of not really seeing him to say that he's going to go on and become one of the most exciting players in, in Europe, the way Serge Gnabry was when he was absolutely at his peak for Bayern Munich, you know? I think, yeah, Serge Gnabry is more the exception than the rule, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and I think it's a lot about the move you make and where you go. And Serge Gnabry was sort of on a path to Bayern Munich when he left Arsenal. Yes. Because um, who was it that bought him? Was it... It was Wolf... Was it Wolfsburg? I don't... I can't let's, remember. Let's check. But, the, you know, the insinuation was... Um, it was Werder Bremen, sorry. Right. The insinuation was that there was some Bayern Munich uh, involvement, I guess, in in that... Machinations you know, behind the scenes. Yeah. That he was yeah. sort of always destined for Bayern. Um be that in writing somewhere or not. Um, and Allegedly. I think a lot would depend on that for Smith-Rowe. Like in the summer, Chelsea were, you know, he was on their list when they went and bought Cole Palmer from He's, Manchester I mean, City. Wasn't everyone on Chelsea's list? I think everyone is on Chelsea's list mm. at all times. But, I'm, but you know, mm. I, I purely mean to say that if he was to go to, I know Chelsea aren't having the best of times at the moment, but a big club... Um, I think he'd stand a far better chance of kind of reaching his potential. If he was in a good environment, good setting, I just think if you fall into a, a team who, you know, let's say don't have a ton of possession, don't get loads of the ball, aren't particularly attacking, you know, lots of talented players, if they're not in the right, right environment, struggle. And, you know, if he just takes any Premier League move, um, I, I could see him kind of, you know, not getting to where we think he has the talent to be. Mm. I agree with you. The talent is absolutely there. But, you know, the longer you stay around football, the more you realise that talent is only part of it. Yeah, you know? pre pretty much everybody is talented at this level. There's a, there's yeah. a lot more to it, you know. I, I really believe that. Like, I'm a firm believer there are people, even down the divisions, who have the, the talent, if you want to call it talent, to play top level but there are so many other contributing factors um and the, the the gap in talent is i think closer than we imagine for most players um i uh, we'll see with smith rowe you know i said if arsenal were to do something in january they might have to sell somebody if you were drawing up a list of people who could ostensibly be sold at this point in time i think you'd have to have him on it um but the club were pretty clear in the summer about their intentions. And yeah. I, I think in the limited contact that there was with Chelsea, I think they were very clear about that as well. So um, they, for now, don't want to let him go. All right. Well, look, we'll see how that goes. Here's a question from Heinz, who's at PLH Heinz on Twitter. Good morning, gents. When was the last direct free kick we scored? I love a free kick and I feel like it's been years. And who do you think will score the next one? Direct free kick? Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember. I'm trying to think. Um, the easiest thing is sort of going through the team and being like, do I remember them scoring a free kick? I mean, the first thing that's jumped into my mind is Pepe? Like... Can't be that long ago, surely. We've not had great takers of direct free kicks, I think, is partly. I mean... Who would I fancy? 
from the current crop. I think Odegaard. Odegaard would certainly be on that list. I think Trossard maybe strikes a ball very well, and he's he's got that mm. sort of um, I forget what they call it, but that technique where you kind of hit through the ball and it's got that wobble in it. Oh, the um, knuckleball type the knuckleball thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, I think he. I've seen him doing a couple of those in the warm ups. Um, Fabio Vieira, I would imagine, would be competing with Odegaard for if we got a decent shooting opportunity edge of the box. Should I mean, Bukayo Saka be in the conversation? I, mean, I guess he should, yeah. The bad thing is I can't think of us missing a ton of them either. Do you know what I mean? I, I can't think of a situation where... I have countless memories of David Luiz blazing them into Rosette. Yeah, or like how did we get so many free kicks for Alexandre Lacazette to take? Yeah, And now exactly. we don't seem to get any. Maybe it's because we're sharing them around a lot more. You know, Granit Xhaka is a player who's left. I'd say he mm -hmm. probably is the last person to score one. Um, he scored one at Crystal Palace. That was a while ago, though. Well, that was it? in that terrible green kit. He scored yeah. a good one against Chelsea as well, I think. Yes, he did in the, the infamous, well, famous Boxing Day win. He scored a free kick, I believe, mm. where, where Smith-Rowe came into the team. Um, maybe that's the last... I mean, this information can't be on the internet in a simple fashion, can it? Arsenal direct free kick goals. Um, Apologies if you know the answer and we've got it wrong. I think Shaka might be the answer. And he's left. And that's partly our explanation for what's going on. Get the Opta hotline. Yeah. This Where's is what we need. Harvey Downs when you need him. Where's Orbino? Or being, you know, come on, guys. I think, um, I, th I think it's Shaka. I, I seem to remember Partey taking a couple. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I guess you'd say Odegaard, wouldn't you? You'd say Odegaard in terms of the technique, the precision. Saka would be up there. I just found um, in my Googling uh, a headline from The Athletic written by... Uh, Art de Rocher, your colleague. Yeah. A 4% conversion rate in a year. Do Arsenal and Louise have a free kick problem? <laughs> I wrote an article for the Athletic once about Thomas Partey's shooting numbers as well. Um, mm. That seems to have been brought under control. Um, Martin Odegaard scores the most outrageous free kick. Oh, in a friendly match against AC Milan. Uh, last Christmas in the warm winter training camp. Oh, yeah. They they don't count. Not real. They don't count. But that, that is evidence real. of his capacity to do it. So I guess, yeah, my money would be on him being next. But it does feel like it's been a while. It does. It's overdue. It's overdue. We had a time where, you know, we had Rob Van Persie in the team. And yes, he missed plenty, but he did score some beauties. Mikel Arteta was a threat. Santi Cazorla course in an FA Cup final mm -hmm. Alexis Sanchez um, um, yeah it's overdue so it's overdue. let's hope it's coming on on Saturday okay good news Andrew oh yeah we've got a, another round of the popular Ask Blog player ratings game 
that we played previously. Ah, okay, cool. By Critical T. Goodly morning, gents. The player ratings guessing game is back. As with last time, one point for the player and the all-important bonus point for getting the match. Good luck. Good luck. Okay. So here we go. We've got five of them. Rating one. Play along at home. Uh, five out of ten. Five out of ten. Oh, boy. Oh. This rating is only for his performance on the pitch, not what followed. There's not enough space here to go into that, but it wasn't good from any angle. His, Emery's, the fans. Check out tomorrow's blog for more thoughts on that. That has to be Granite Shaker against Crystal Palace. Correct. Correct. I think it was November 2019. A dark time. A dark time in indeed. In recent Arsenal history. Um, okay. Well done. Thank you. Rating number two, 7.5 out of 10. Jointly led the team with tackles four, which showed our game plan. Defending from the front as much as possible. Didn't have his shooting boots on, though. That one rings a bell because I feel like it's quite recent. Like mm -hmm. I sort of remember the writing about that, was it feels like it could apply to either of our current sense yeah that's it i'm i'm torn between gabriel jesus and eddie and kedia and i'm going to go with gabriel jesus because i don't think eddie and kedia has ever made four tackles in a game for arsenal that as far as i can remember okay and would you go for a, a particular game <sighs> let me just briefly look at the fixtures is that cheating Looking no, at the fixtures, right. um, I am going to say, was it the North London Derby? Okay, I'm going to say, just for the sake of difference, I'll say Eddie Nketiah, um, Manchester United. Okay. Just for the sake of difference. The answer is, Oh, we're both wrong. Okay. It's Martin Odegaard, it, isn't it? It's Martin Odegaard in the recent 1-0 win over Manchester City. I knew it was recent. Yeah. Like, I forget pretty much everything I write and say very quickly, mm. but that was so recent that it's it still it was rang a little bell. Yeah. right there. Okay, rating number three. After a blank from both of us there. Nine out of ten. Bar that early moment of miscommunication, had a great debut, scored a goal, made 107 passes, 100% tackling, strong and dominant in the air. A nice way to start at a new club. And to do that in his first game for six months, augurs well. Whoa. I've got no idea. So... A new club, but he hadn't played for six months. Yeah. Jesus. And made 107 passes. So that's somebody either in midfield or at the back. Sinchenko didn't score on his debut. Who scored on their debut? Hmm. It, like it, It's sort of making me think of William Saliba against... William Saliba is making me think of William Saliba, actually. Um, 
but he didn't score on his debut. I've got no idea. I have to pass on that one. Do you? I've got no idea. I'm going to have a crazy guess that it's like Sol Campbell on his return to the club or something. Oh, I don't know if the player ratings were no, back that were far. going back that far. I just actually, think who would sign but not play for six months? Well, Kim Chastrom. <laughs> It's probably really obvious and everyone is sitting at home thinking, you guys. Wow, we blanked again. Yeah. It's Gabriel Magalash. Pulham away, the opening day of the season. Do you remember? Mm. A header from a Willian corner, as I recall. Oh, that was the last time Willian did anything. The hat-trick of assists. Mm. I wrote a glowing piece about Willian's performance in that game. Uh, which <laughs> occasionally is still screen grabs to me by helpful Twitter followers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it is, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow, okay. Ah, I should have known that. Right. Why didn't he play for six months, though? Was he injured? Did he arrive? Did he have a back injury or something? His first game for six months. I don't remember that aspect of it, I have to say. Weird. Was that was that a 3-0 win over Fulham at home or away? Oh, it's because it was 2020 and the French League had stopped. Ah, that's exactly it, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nice little cryptic clues in here. I'm loving it. Okay, rating four, 7.5 out of 10. Mm Mm-hmm. What an impact, which immediately makes me question the 7.5. But anyway, (laughs) scored a lovely goal and played the final pass for the winner. Great to see. I know who that is. Scored a lovely goal. Um, I'm sure I know. Scored a lovely goal and played a... Is it Fabio Vieira? Against? Can't remember. Brentford, I guess. Mm, No idea. I'm going to go Nicola Pepe against Wolves. Oh, that would make sense. It's Nicola Pepe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well done. Yeah. Very good. Okay. This one's hard. (laughs) Right. Rating 7.5 out of 10. And the text reads simply, Jasmine Lullaby, brackets, Dulux colour chart special. Oh, my God. (laughs) What the fuck? Um... It's a weekend game. You've had a drink. You've done the player ratings. Mm. Dulux colour chart special. How how am I to interpret that? I presume I gave every player Everyone. a rating and a colour rather than yeah. writing a bit of text about them. At that point, you didn't foresee that these ratings would come back to haunt you. No. Oh, my God. Um, that feels like something I did or would have done quite a few years ago. Sure. So I'm going to go back and choose a player from the Arsene Wenger era, and I'm going to choose... Who would have been a Jasmine lullaby? Theo Walcott. And I've got no clue what game it might be. Okay. I'm going to say... Who were the team that Graham Potter 
brought to the Emirates Stadium. Was it Jur Gardens or uh, it was like ultimate Europa League vibes? Oh yes. Um, yeah. Who did he? Was it, it was Ostersund. Sorry, guys, just plucking Scandinavian team names out of this guy. I'm going to say in Ostersund's game, the home game, the two-two, and I'll say Callum Bloody Chambers. Handsome Cal. Let's find out. Okay. It's Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. <laughs> now it all makes sense, of and course. And the match is Wigan away from the 2012-13 campaign. Wow. What was the score? It, the score is written nil one, but whether it was one nil or nil one. Nil one if it's away. Yeah. Um, Did we win? Was it right at the end of the season or something? No, it was in December. Guess who scored? The boss himself. Mikel Arteta with a penalty on the hour mark. (laughs) The boss himself. (laughs) No, yeah, Mikel Arteta, penalty. Mm. There you go. Uh, It was hard fought. Maybe it was quite a boring game. I've got the feeling it was quite a boring game. Yeah. Well, that was good fun. We weren't as good at it this time. No, we weren't. The questions were harder. They were well. They were well dug out of the archives. uh, In in fairness, so uh, those were some tough ones. Uh, So thank you to Critical T for that. Just very finally, um, James, we had a tweet from the Hubbard. Um, He is at Hubinos on Twitter, and he says, "We demand." Magpie facts. Magpies. One look at you and they'll peck out your eyes. They are magpies. That's the jingle for this week. Love it. Based on... uh, Hungry Eyes. Hungry Eyes by... Richard Marks? No. Eric Carman, I believe. Eric Carman. That's it. It was on a CD I had called like Hits of the 80s. Uh, as a child. Eric Carmen, that's right. Um, I, so I saw this question and had approximately 40 seconds while you retrieved your biscuit to uh, come up with some magpie facts. And people say the research we put into this show is not substantive. How I, dare they? Yeah, exactly. I've only got so much time to spend on this podcast and most of that has been spent with the UK Intellectual Property Office. <laughs> so, um, I saw this article in the Warrington Guardian. Uh, the headline from journalist Jessica Barnes reads, Have you seen the killer magpie terrorising Sankey residents? What's Sankey? Is that a town or...? It's a place. Right. Everyone is talking about it in Sankey says Gary Jenkins, 47. (laughs) A killer magpie, the article reads. (laughs) Killer, in quote marks, is sending residents of Great Sankey hysterical. The crazed bird is being described as feral, mad and a killer and is tormenting anyone who dares to go near it. I mean, this is not an unusual, this is just standard magpie behaviour. Yeah. Gary Jenkins says... Everyone's talking about it in Sankey. It all started on our WhatsApp group. It hangs around the eagle. 
I presume, I presume that's a, a pub of some kind, is it? Rather or than... an accomplice. <laughs> look at that eagle and look at his little black and white feathered, uh, what do you call him? What do you call those guys? Sidekick. Sidekicks. Yeah. Yeah. Familiar. I don't know if the eagle and the magpie are in it together. It's not afraid of humans or dogs. My daughter, India, was walking our dog and it started pecking her feet. Doesn't say if it's the dog's feet or the daughter's feet. <laughs> Both, I guess, are bad. Yes. She dropped her AirPods. No! <laughs> and was trying to pick them back up. But it was pecking those two and would not leave her alone. Oh, my God. I'm not surprised magpies hate AirPods because they haven't been made with any consideration for if a magpie could wear them. They're ill-suited to a magpie. And I think magpies have grievances with Apple <laughs> based on that as a consequence. Yeah. But sightings of Sankey's feathered menace have been on Thornton Road and the Eagle Sports and Social Club. Okay, we've solved the mystery. Right. Rumours say it is called Murkar and it was raced by humans, <laughs> Gary added. Murkar? The dark overlord, Murkar, and it was raised by humans. So I've now got this kind of Planet of the Apes style narrative in my mind where Murkar was kept in a cage, experiments were done on it. He says it is a bit tatty. It has been around the block, this one. Yeah, I think experiments were done on Murkar. And now Murkar is just taking his revenge on humankind for yeah, inflicting he's got, like, trauma. super intelligence as a consequence of the experiments. Yeah. <laughs> and now Gary said an older lady on his road had also been made victim to the wild bird who was pecking away at her heels while she was trying to walk her dog. This bird doesn't want dogs being walked. That's for sure. Not on its patch. Keep your dogs away. Great Sankey community Facebook groups have seen other residents speak out on their issues with the killer magpie. With one person saying, has anyone else had issues with this magpie? It has been chasing us for weeks and has now pecked me today. How do they know it's the same magpie? But I mean, who has it killed? They keep calling it a killer, but we've got no evidence that it actually killed someone. We haven't got any evidence that it hasn't killed someone. It's good right. at disposing the bodies, I guess. Gary, a public relations manager. <laughs> well, at the moment, you're mainly doing PR for a, an evil magpie, mate. Get back to work. He said his wife, Lisa, was so scared when confronted by the magpie that she had to ask a stranger passing for help. Help, there's a killer Would magpie you lie on me? the other side if you saw a person being attacked by a magpie? I should hope not. So the sign-off is, if you see a brazen bird making a beeline for you and your dog in Great Sankey, it may well be the killer magpie. Murkar, the killer magpie. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's... I mean, it confirms a lot of what we thought already about magpies, but I'm guessing Murkar has sort of sent it out on the, the bird, whatever the bird uh, equivalent of the internet is. They probably have that, you know, nest-to-nest -nest communication. And, uh, you know, he's advised all the, all the magpies in Australia to be extra swoopy and stuff like that. 
Because it's, you know, it's a collective thing now. You know, you fuck around with one magpie, you find out from all the rest. It's just the way it goes. The people of Warrington have had their say in the comments. Have they? Uh, yeah. <laughs> there is some rationality from Kaiser Soze, who says, this is the most stupid thing I've read all day. Thanks. A magpie that has apparently pecked a dog walker's feet branded a killer. Slow news day or what? Um, but then there are some responses, like the one from Parry Gordon, who says, uh, all that's needed is a .22 long rifle. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. Just, you know, if you're going out to walk your dog, bring your uh, 22 caliber rifle with you, you know? Yeah. Just in case. That seems like a proportionate response, I suppose, to a bird pecking someone. Yeah. I think that's... Uh... Go and get the rifle. <laughs> It's old fucking Murkar again. Here he goes. Oh, man. Just when will Murkar's reign of terror, of mildly inconveniencing people <laughs> on their dog walks, <laughs> be brought to an end? The killer magpie who hasn't yet killed anyone. So, As uh, far as we know. As far as we know. All right. We had better leave it there uh, for this show. Thank you so much, as always, for being with us. Hope you enjoyed uh, the show. Football returns. At the weekend, of course, we'll talk about that a bit more later in the week. Hopefully, all things going well. We'll have a, a very special guest for you on this week's Arsecast on Friday. So uh, keep your ear, uh, ears, eyes, your bits. Keep all your bits um, tuned in for that. And we will catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.